have you ever felt confused or overwhelmed with all the different travel insurance options out there? If so, look no further. Safety Wings Nomad Insurance is a flexible travel medical insurance plan that covers you if you need medical assistance while outside your home country. You can get a short-term policy for just a few days or a week, or pay month to month, just like a subscription. Already traveling? No problem. You can sign up for coverage from home or abroad. It's fast, easy, and affordable. Just a few minutes ago, I purchased a policy for my upcoming trip to Portugal, and it took less than three minutes. The cost for my two-and-a-half-month trip was only $189. Sign up for a plan today at safetywing.com or by using the link in the show notes. Visits back to your home country are also covered. Welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, where we're pushing the boundaries of remote work and travel all while staying grounded with a little bit of old school philosophy, self-development, and business advice from our guests. Hey there, Kristen from Traveling with Kristen here, and welcome to episode 172 of Badass Digital Nomads. My guest today is the lovely Charlotte Gray from the UK, that rhymes, And we have an action-packed and super valuable and insightful conversation for you today. Charlotte talks with us about her transition from the 9-to-5 corporate work grind in London, England, and becoming an expat working for Mercedes in the Netherlands. It was really interesting to talk with her because you get this perspective of going from the corporate life in your home country to the corporate life in a foreign country, then the reverse culture shock of going back to your home country before realizing, you know what, this is not for me. I really want to work remotely and travel and live a different lifestyle. And so then she transitioned to getting a remote job, traveling to Barbados and around the world, and then ultimately finding her current role at Safety Wing. She gives a ton of super useful and valuable tips on finding a remote job and the advice that she's given to her friends who have seen her lifestyle and they're like, hey, Charlotte, how can I do the same thing? But she also talks about some of the dark side of the location-independent lifestyle and some of the things that she's struggled with while working remotely and traveling her struggles with mental health and finding community. So we get some tips on that too. I took a ton of notes in this episode and also wrote down a lot to include in the show notes. So check those out for links to all of the resources we talked about today and enjoy my conversation with Charlotte Gray. Well, welcome Charlotte to Badass Digital Nomad. So great to see your smiling face today. And where are you joining us from? Um, I'm joining you from Maastricht in the Netherlands. I want to say thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Um, Lovely. So I saw on your website that you had lived in the Netherlands previously, but you were also doing some traveling around the world. Um, So how did you end up back in the Netherlands? Because I know that you quit your job in the UK, went to the Netherlands, started your blog, traveled. And so somehow you've ended up back in the Netherlands. Fill us in. How did this all happen? Definitely. So it's actually quite poetic that I'm back in the place where my working abroad um, blog really began. So I grew up in London and I got the opportunity to come and work in Maastricht in social media um, back in 2016. And I, I took it. Um, it was a contract for a year. I was very, very nervous because I didn't know anybody in the Netherlands. I didn't speak any Dutch. I didn't even know anything about the Netherlands. But I was like, OK, I never you know, really traveled during uni. Um, I've done some family trips um, that I was very lucky to do to our home country of Jamaica. But I'd not seen that much of Europe, so I thought, hey, why not to get paid and see a new place? Well, I ended up loving it so much that I stayed for two years and I made the most incredible friends that um, I've had ever since I started. So I'm back now um, 
I mean, I left in 2018, so I'm back like four years later visiting the friends that I made here originally. Now as a baby digital nomad, um, working remotely and I, I couldn't be happier. So I'm just passing through. Next stop is Portugal, then back home to London before going on to a few other places. So I'm just passing through. Oh, amazing. So how long will you be staying there? Um, just until Thursday. So I got here last Friday and today is Tuesday. I will say time is more difficult now since the pandemic. It's never really know what day it is working across all these time zones. I live and die by my calendar for sure. Uh, so it's um, I'm leaving on Thursday and we're getting the train to Brussels to fly to Portugal where I'll meet another friend who I made working here in Marshall. Oh, nice. And then do you know how long you'll be in Portugal for? Yes, just um, like nearly two weeks um, before flying back home. So we're going to travel around Portugal and I've never been before. So I'm super excited to go. We're going to hit Porto and then Gaia, Sintra and Lisbon. And then I'm going to go back home to London. Nice. Well, I was going to say I might see you because I'm planning on going to the Netherlands. (gasps) but I think I'll be there after you. So it would be like October and then go to Portugal after that. But maybe I'll be there through the end of the year. But then I might go to London because my cousin is having a baby in London. So we'll we'll stay in touch and maybe we can cross paths. I would really love that. So what is Maastricht like? Because I've spent a lot of time in mostly only in Amsterdam, like Amsterdam and Rotterdam. I haven't really seen the rest of the country, but what did you, what do you like about it? What's the lifestyle and the vibe like? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. Because honestly, since I've got back, I haven't stopped beaming and I've been sending pictures to everyone on WhatsApp. I'm constantly walking around with my phone, filming everything. Everybody thinks I'm a tourist. I'm behaving like a tourist. It's a wonderful vibe down here. So it's a student town and we've got Marshall University. And so you get people from all over Europe, all over the world to come to study here. So it's just like really vibrant. It's lively, but at the same time, it's really quite peaceful. So it has a lot of the great elements of Amsterdam in, you know, the architecture, the canals, the, the bicycles, of course. But then it's, it's a bit more quiet in certain areas. And then also, you know, it's got the great nightlife as well. So it's kind of like you can get a little bit of everything here. And it's just so quaint. Everyone's so friendly. Everyone's smiling all the time. I've been a bit self-conscious. I'm like, are they laughing at me because I'm talking to myself, walking around on my phone? But no, like people are just genuinely happy because it's such a pleasant place. There's loads of cute boutiques and restaurants. Everyone's eating our fresco, drinking wine. It's just honestly a really like picturesque, beautiful, beautiful place, like rain or shine, snow even, cycled in the snow, like any temperature, any weather. It's just a really wonderful place. I definitely recommend it. It is a bit of a trek to get to from Amsterdam. It's a two and a half hour train because it's right in the south, the south, south, south of the Netherlands. It borders Belgium and Germany, but it's definitely worth the excursion, I would say. It's a little gem of a place. That is what I've heard. That pretty much echoes exactly what my Dutch friends have said about it. So, yeah, (laughs) you feel like there's a lot of foreign students, but do you see many tourists there or do you feel like it's really a local area? I think it's interesting because, of course, the experience that I had was kind of a foreign experience because I came over from the UK I was working um, at the Mercedes NCAC, which is full of people from all over Europe. So I kind of had that foreign student, I guess, experience. But what I would say is you definitely have a lot of locals here and the residents and the visitors and the tourists, they all do meld. You definitely get it's much more busy on the weekends um, with people visiting from out of town. You know, um, Andre Ryu comes down from his like castle every year to come and play concerts. And that brings loads, loads of people to town. Um, but I would say the mix is quite harmonious. So you, you definitely are getting locals, but you're also anyone you meet has such an incredible story. Like a lot of people are also not from here and they've made it their home. And it's that's really nice too. Oh, I'll definitely have to check it out. And how did you end up getting assigned to go there? Was it an opening that came 
up in your company or did you ask them if you could work abroad? Ah, oh, no, not at all. I wish. Um, so back, I put myself back there. So I was like one year out of uni. I did an internship at a creative agency in London. Um, that was like my first job that I got through an amazing organization called Creative Access that helps people of color get their first steps into the creative industry. And after I departed there, it was honestly a bit of a frenzy <laughs> looking for the next position. It was a tough jobs crowd and I was just applying everywhere. And one of the places that I, that bits um, was Mercedes over here in Mashif. And it was definitely <laughs> not something I expected. It wasn't necessarily anything I planned. I debated it whether to go or not to go for a really long time. I actually went back to visit the office today. <laughs> so I've just come from to see like my old boss and my old team. And my biggest concern coming here was that I wouldn't make any friends. I was really nervous that I wouldn't fit in and that I'd be like such an odd bod. Um, but yeah, I took the plunge and honestly, it was the best thing I ever did. It was, it was amazing. And I stayed for two years and I kind of left to go home, but with the, I guess, with the heart that I wanted to work abroad again. I didn't know how I was going to do it at that stage. You know, I heard murmurs of laptop lifestyles on Instagram, but I figured that was just for, you know, software engineers and web designers. Um, I didn't know how it could be possible for me, but it was something that I knew I wanted to do. So it's crazy now that it's come full circle that I'm back here visiting and I'm, I'm working remotely. I'm so happy. Yeah, there's definitely a misconception at first that to work remotely, you have to be some kind of tech whiz or like a mm -hmm. tech bro with a backpack. But I've been trying to show that there's people from everywhere in all different backgrounds that, that can do it in all different ages. So I 100%. want to talk with you a bit about that, like how you got your first remote job. But first, I'm curious of how you found the Dutch work culture, like coming from a nine to five in the mm -hmm. UK, were you in London? And then yes, what was indeed. it like yeah. in, you know, transitioning to the corporate world in the Netherlands? Ah, that's really interesting because because I wasn't long out of university, I guess it, it kind of, the way we began, it didn't feel that different to kind of starting a school year. So say I started with a cohort of about 60 other hires and we were all staying and they put us up to stay in a hotel for the first six weeks of us being there. Because then, you know, a lot of people were coming from all over. They needed a chance to find accommodation. So it was kind of felt like a halls of residence in a way. So you were going to work nine to five, but then also trying to sort out somewhere to live <laughs> in the evening. So the actual work, the training, that process didn't feel that dissimilar to just a regular kind of corporate job. It was clear that the Dutch took work very seriously. Um, sick days were not really something that was a thing. Um, you hmm. turn up to work, um, kind of rain or shine or snow. Um, but that also wasn't a deterrent for me because I really enjoyed the job. And I really enjoyed the people I worked with. So it honestly was a pleasure to come to work every day. And um, yeah, you know, some days there'd be cars on display. It was quite a cool, quite a cool yeah. place to be. Um, you know, everyone you bumped into in the hallway was really friendly because everyone's in the same position and they wanted to make friends. So I guess it was quite a unique experience working at that company. Maybe a different company would be you know, maybe a bit stricter or maybe like a real shock to the system. But this one in particular, it just felt like a really friendly kind of family place to be. So it was just what I needed, kind of a bit of nurturing as someone who had kind of completely displaced themselves from everyone and everything that they knew. How did you, um, what was the day like there? Was it really strict, like nine to five or nine to six? Because I remember mm -hmm. working in co-working spaces in the Netherlands and wow. everyone really got there and started working at 9 a.m. and left by mm -hmm. five or six. And then yeah. as a group, even though we all were working for ourselves or working for different companies, everyone took lunch from 12 to one. It was like very regimented yeah, and everyone mm -hmm. shared food and we would just have this... Yeah 
just sandwich stuff. <laughs> they love sandwiches there. So we have like <laughs> bread and cheese and uh, Nutella and like all of the like sugary like spreads, like the cookie butter spread and stuff. And we, and we'd have vegetables and stuff too, but we have like this spread of food across the table in the middle of the co-working space. And everyone's just like grabbing over each other and talking and like making sandwiches. And then it was like at 1 PM, everyone was back to work. No, that's, that's so nice to hear that you've had that experience. And it, it is reminiscent of the times that we had here. So I worked in the social media team. So I guess that was quite different to the regular nine to five in that we had to have like a whole day coverage. So from 8.30 to 9 p.m., there were two shifts of people that would come in. So like the early shift and the late shift to make sure that we were representing Mercedes across, you know, all of the social media channels between those hours of the day. So people who had queries, complaints, just wanted to shout about how much they love the company so that they could get a response in a timely fashion. So yeah, it was strict in that, you know, you needed to be at your desk ready to go, starting to answer those messages at 8.30. And yeah, a lot of people did very seriously clock off at five. They're like, not a minute longer, they would be out the door. It was regimented in that you had to kind of tell people when you were going to lunch to make sure there was always coverage on the channels of your language. So you did need to kind of coordinate with the other people within your kind of region team. So with me, the other UK people, with others, the Italian people, the Spanish people, you have to check in with each other to say, okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go to lunch. You can't all go at the same time. But because all of the teams did interact and we had like loads of socials and that's something called Foch, which is like five on Fridays, everyone would come and have a drink. So you had friends in other teams. So then you would kind of coordinate your lunch breaks with your <laughs> with your friends and then all meet in the canteen where you might have bought your own food or they also cooked food that you could purchase at a discount. And then, you know, all break bread together for your, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever you were allotted, depending on what team you're in. And then, yeah, you go back to your desk and you get on with it for the rest of the day. So oh, <laughs> it yeah. became quite normal to me. I didn't know anything. I didn't really know any any different because it was only my second job. So I, I didn't really think anything of it. In my first job, I did have an hour lunch break. So I was like, oh, this is 30 minutes. How am I going to eat lunch in 30 minutes? But you got good at it. Got very yeah. good at it. Oh, yeah. They're really <laughs> efficient. Like they when they're Very working efficient. they're working but then when they clock off they're like happy hour <laughs> oh every like <laughs> maybe it sounds bad like most days after work yeah you get on your bicycle and you're like okay where are we going for wine <laughs> like yeah you would just go cycling pick somewhere on the marks or the right horse and be like where should we sit today and you know then spend the evening kind of just whiling it away which was really special and unique coming from london and working, like I used to work in Oxford Circus, where like you know, the minute you finish work, you <laughs> you run out of the office, go get on the tube, and go straight home, and you don't you don't talk to anyone. <laughs> like you've got your horse blinders on. So it was definitely such a refreshing experience to then go with your coworkers that eventually then become your friends and spend time with them in the evening until you're like, okay, I guess I should go to bed because we've got to go to work tomorrow. See you again. See you again yeah. in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine that your commute in London was much longer compared to your commute in Maastricht. Like you could just ride your bike home. So much longer and so much more hectic. So whilst I've been here, I went and rented a bicycle. And the, the joy, the joy I feel cycling around the town, it's so nice. So yeah, I'm in London, I got not too long a train. I had quite a lucky commute, 30 minutes, 45 minutes into London. But, you know, you're, you're sandwiched in there like sardines. You're standing underneath someone's armpit. Men are pushing you down to sit down in front of you. Chivalry is dead. Chivalry Whereas is dead in London tubes. It's, it's so, so dead. I mean, you know, equal opportunities. I'm not saying, I'm not saying let me do things because I'm a woman, but I'm like, come on, guy. Like, don't push me out of the way to get on the train before me. That's That seems rude. But, uh, yeah, yeah, been there. Yeah, You've been there. You know what that's like. Yeah. And those tube <laughs> newspapers, like everyone has those ah, daily yeah, newspapers, like the gossip mm-hmm. metro, their elbows ah, are the in your part. face. And it's <laughs> yeah. funny though. I like the part where they have 
it's like the secret admirer section. The rush hour crush is my absolute favorite yes. section. I always, I was like, oh, I wonder if I stayed here long enough, if I could see myself in the crush section. I feel like that's what we all dream. We're all reading that section, looking for ourselves. Like yeah. we all want that. Yeah. I've never known anybody who has like made it. Do you know anyone who's ever been in there? No. No, but then you probably wouldn't want to know who actually wrote it. <laughs> I know. I, like I always maybe want, someone who's not a good match for you. <laughs> <laughs> I always think about the ones like when you read one, you're like, oh, that's a little bit. Mm, I don't know if that's cute or if that's creepy. I Some think about the person creepy. who that's about. Some of them are creepy. Yeah, they, there's a like, line there. Person- that's definitely a line that sometimes get crossed I wonder if the person that it's about ever then like changes their commute to then avoid whoever it was that wrote in about them so it's like it's a double-edged sword good point (laughs) good point so (laughs) so for people like who I don't know what we're talking about so there's this uh daily free like newspaper little tabloid news thing in London in the tube stations. And there's a section that's kind of like, I guess, a classifieds, like rush, rush hour crushes, secret admirers. And people can be like, to the girl who leaves from such and such station at this time and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then they'll write like a message to you. So it's people who see you on the tube every day, but they've never talked to you. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it, it could get it's cute and creepy at the same time. hundred percent. So why, okay, your life in, in Mercedes, you know, working for Mercedes, living in Maastricht, like everything mm-hmm. sounds good. The joy mm-hmm. and elation of riding your bike every day. I can totally relate. <laughs> like one of my yeah. favorite things to do in the entire world. Uh, mm-hmm. Why did you leave that job? That is a good question. And since I've been here, I have been asking myself, why? Why did I leave this job? Um, And I think the answer is it was definitely kind of just societal pressures, kind of things that are when. So when I was here, I moved here at like 24. So I left at 26 and a lot of my co-workers and social media and my colleagues in general, like everyone was all booed up. They all had partners. They were waiting for like, you know, their partner to finish this program so then they could leave together. Or they were waiting, you know, for their, to get married so then they could go here together. And I was like, Charlotte, what are you, what are you waiting for? <laughs> like I hadn't found, you know, any concrete. Uh, Person of interest. <laughs> Yes, I hadn't found any, really any people of interest or like some people of interest, but nothing, I guess, serious, nothing that was necessarily worth um, investing in. So I kind of had you know, some voices from my family at home that kind of like, Charlotte, what are you doing? You know, you need to come home. You need to be serious. You need to, you know, settle down and, you know, buy a house, you know, buy a flat. Those were, um, you know, traditional values that my family members have for me, but definitely out of a good place. Don't get me wrong. Like those are the things I also wanted for myself. So, you know, with 30 looming at that age and at that time, you know, 30 was the most terrifying thing to me ever. I was like, I can't get to 30 and not have, you know, not be married or not be at least with child, if not already pregnant or something, which now at 29, about to be 30, I realized how absurd that was, how absurd that way of thinking was. But honestly, I think that's what made me come home in the end. It's like I was having a great time, but it Maastricht is also like a little bit of a bubble in where, how we lived and what we did. It was the bubble. So it was kind of like, I felt like I had to go back to the real world. Like I'd had my fun, but I had to you know, get on with it and get back to the real stuff. But yeah, when I got back to it, I was like, oh dear. Yeah, this isn't, I don't think this is for me. (laughs) So (laughs) I quickly was, you know, already thinking of how I was going to get out of then the next corporate job that I'd got into. The first year of it was great. I moved back to London. I got this great job that I was so happy to get. And the first year of the job was fabulous. Like I was challenged, I really enjoyed it. It didn't have the same community that I had here in Maastricht, but then I kind of, from going back to the London workforce, I realized how special what we had here was and that it was actually quite rare. Um, But 
that job was giving me the opportunity to kind of realize the things I wanted to do. I was able to, you know, actually talk to people about mortgages and go and look at flats. And that was, that was my dream. I was such, I wanted that so much. And I, I still do want that, but at the time it just didn't pan out. And so we pivoted and then there was the, the pandemic. And after two years of working from home, I was like, I don't really want to go back to that, you know, to my train commute. I don't want to go back to the office and have coffee break chats if that's the highlight of what I have to look forward to. So that is what, you know, eventually gave me the kick out the door to kind of take on this remote life. Yeah, that's interesting that you had the experience of living and working abroad and then back to the corporate world where you get that immediate contrast, which sometimes we need, like sometimes we need to get out of our bubble to either appreciate what we had before mm-hmm. or confirm that we made the right decision or remember why we left in the first place. And it sounds like you yeah. had a little bit of both. You had like mm-hmm. the appreciation for your home and your country and your family and kind of the traditional part of society. But then the pandemic gave you that chance to sit and think again, like maybe if the pandemic hadn't have happened, you would have worked there longer mm-hmm. and Probably maybe you would have. still be in that situation. But mm-hmm. of course the pandemic changed things. And then you were able to look at all of your experiences and decide what you wanted next. And so is that what mm-hmm. led you to start traveling again? Or did you find a remote job and then start traveling? How did you plan your escape and how did it actually <laughs> come to fruition? Sure, that's so good. So I'd say I've always been someone who enjoyed taking trips. So it's when I was living in the Netherlands, you know, I would take trips to visit friends abroad, like in Tokyo, or birthday trips to Thailand. So at, at work, they would always laugh and say that I'm never in the office because all I would ever do was count my annual leave days and try to plan them strategically throughout the year to make the most of them. So I feel like when I got back to London and I found myself doing that again in my next job, I was like, I'm tired of counting my annual leave days and trying to make a jigsaw puzzle to fit in the things that I want to fit in. So I think that combined with working at home during the pandemic and I was truly, it started off, you know, well in that everyone's, I mean, apart from the eternal doom of what the pandemic was, it was nice working from home. But after months and months of that, it was like, what's the point of this? Like my job became less enjoyable I was like, is this it? What am I working for? Until I remembered that, oh yeah, I work to travel. (laughs) I work so I can afford to pay for flights, but of course we couldn't go anywhere at the time. So I was just like, as soon as um, I had the opportunity to go somewhere, me and my friend, we went to um, Barbados at the end of October, 2020. And going out there, they recently launched the welcome stamp, which welcomed digital nomads from all over the place to kind of seek sanctuary in Barbados. And I got there and I saw them all. And my friend decided to stay after like our two week holiday. She's like, Charlotte, stay with me. And I'm like, I can't, like, I'm not allowed to. (laughs) I have to go back home. So that was honestly the saddest flight I've ever taken. Coming back home, I I cried on the plane. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave this life. I was enjoying it so much, just being there and all the different people that we met while we were there and especially leaving my friend behind to continue that life. I was like, Oh, slightly devastated. So kind of as soon as I got back on the ground and I went back to work after like a two week vacation, I was like, yeah, no, I've got to do everything within my power to be remote. And I truly did do everything (laughs) possible until I, um, I got my first position as a virtual assistant in um, November, 2021 with inbox done and yeah handed in my notice as soon as they said I could have the job (laughs) and I booked the flight I booked the flight back to Barbados they said hey I'm going and I went they were left I left at the end of November 2021 and I stayed into the new year amazing is inbox done is that a British company or where are they based they're based, so it's completely remote, but it was founded in Canada, actually. I found it on like a remote jobs directory. It's um, it's called it's a travelod.com, 
I tell so many people about it. <laughs> um, it's a great site. It has a free remote jobs directory that you can peruse and like advice on how to like remotify your CV to show people your transferable skills. And um, yeah, I, I gave that a go. I rehauled my CV. I can't tell you how many times. I've got so many versions of my CV all tailored for the different remote jobs that I applied for. And um, Inbox Done was the first one to give me a chance. And I, I really enjoyed it. And obviously, so incredibly grateful to them because that's what's now led me to Safety Ring, which but now I do both. I'm juggling. I'm a freelancer. And I also do some graphic design on the side. So there's just always something to do, but I love it. And, you know, I make my hours. I determine my schedule. I It's so vastly different to anything I've ever done before in terms of work. Um, I just can't believe it. I feel incredibly lucky. Well, tell us a little bit about your role at Safety Wing and how you mm-hmm. found that one. Sure. So I... So I'm a partnerships assistant at Safety Wing, um, which means that I am on the partnerships team, helping out everyone that's on there with their different tasks to help us reach the goal of um, enriching and growing our ambassador program, which is sharing um, news about our travel medical insurance and also just raising awareness for the brand itself, just wider so that more people can find the mission, know the mission. And want to join the community. So I first heard about Safety Wing actually in a Clubhouse chat room. I don't know if people are people are still using Clubhouse. I don't use Clubhouse as much anymore. But yeah. I first heard about it in there um, when I was in Barbados that time with my friend. And it was a chat about working remotely in the Caribbean. So I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. And it was in that chat room that I found out about It's a Travel OD through um, the founder, Andrea Valeria. And then there was also someone from Safety Wing there, Namira, who heads up the design team at Safety Wing. So that is how I got those two things on my radar. (laughs) And I just kept an eye on the site. I applied to be in the design team. I didn't quite make it, which I understood because I was like, oh, yeah, it's very good. Like the design of visuals are beautiful. Like I understand. Um, and I just kept an eye out and see if there's anything else I can do in future. There was my virtual assistant experience that I gained at Inbox Done. Then I was really a perfect match for the partnerships assistant position, I guess. Well, no, I was um, because it encompassed social media. It encompassed like, inbox management, what I do as a virtual assistant and, um, you know, creative elements of like writing and um, content creation, which are all things that I love. And want to do more of so for the first time in a really like you know poignant turn of events my work goals and my personal goals are so perfectly aligning that I feel like I finally found my it's gonna sound very extreme but I feel like I've found my purpose and like my calling because this is always you know traveling making content sharing my stories with others like that's always what I've wanted to do but I'm quite a shy and introverted person I would say so I've never been confident enough to do it but now that I'm kind of helping others do it for work helping ambassadors to create content to successfully um make to activate them so that they can share the message of safety wing whose like mission and values I so closely align with it's giving me the confidence to also do that in my personal life with my travel blog, with my Instagram. And I'm just seeing so many of my friends now come to me. They're like, Charlotte, like, how have you done this? How can I do this? And I'm like, mate, I'm not special. If I can do it, you can do it. I will help you. So I've got about like 10 friends. <laughs> I'm like counseling, being like, try this, try this. And I'm always keeping that. I'm like, hey, this is for you, for you. So um, yeah, it's, I feel so blessed for myself. And then I also feel really nice to be able to like inspire others and then help others to get to where like this joy that I feel. So it is perfect. It's a wonderful, wonderful series of events. I love that. I think you your situation really epitomizes what's possible in this economy where mm-hmm. you're drawing on your past skills, like even from Mercedes working in social mm-hmm. media management and your past jobs. And only in like a five year career, or it wasn't that yeah. long, right? Like five Not to seven long. years. I, yeah, seven, yeah, seven yeah, years. Yeah, seven years. Work experience. 
Mm -hmm. So picking out different skills that you did in the past and also adding new skills that you're learning Mm -hmm. that are kind of adjacent to your area of expertise. And then at the same time, you're a contractor. So you're still able to do freelance work on the side. You know, so many digital nomads have their side hustle going on. And then you almost seem to be in training to be a recruiter or a remote career coach (laughs) in the next phase of your journey. So check back in in another five to seven years. Let us know. Definitely. I'd love to come back. I'll tell you how it's going for sure. What do you tell your friends when they ask for advice Mm -hmm. in finding a remote job? Is it just down to time and persistence or are there things like you mentioned, you know, tailoring, Mm -hmm. tailoring your resume or CV to each Mm -hmm. job? Like what are some of the things that you think helped you get a remote job? Um, So I would say like sheer determination and just being kind of really, really, really focused. So of course, remote jobs, especially since the pandemic are so much in demand. There's so many people that want one. So it's to not get, you know, kind of application fatigue. Like you must take breaks, of course, but you just have to be persistent about what it is you're doing. And I I also think um, something that I tell my friends is that it's going to sound a bit bad, but that you might not necessarily starting out get a job, a remote job that exactly matches where you are right now in whatever else you're doing. So my first remote job at Inbox Done, I took a massive pay cut to take that job. Like, and that it was hard because I was used to getting, you know, my London corporate salary. This very much was not that when I started out because it's like as you build more clients, that's how you build your money. But to start with, I didn't have that many clients. So that was a real kind of shock. So I kind of, I tell my friends to to try hard and kind of trust the process and that they can use me as an example. So they they saw me the first months, like, you know, it was shaky. It was tough, but it's like you just keep going, I guess, with that belief that everything will be, you know, it's going to work out. But also that you you're sensible. You have a safety net <laughs> that you know I saved up to to do that to take that pay cut to go remote. I had a safety net of savings, so I'm like, okay, I can afford to live for say ten months before I need to maybe go back to a regular job. So I just kind of <laughs> took a leap and hoped <laughs> that it would work out. And then here we are. Like, what is it? almost it was it 10 months later and yeah I would say I'm back at my London salary with all of the different things that I'm doing they all add up to what I was earning so it's worked it, it worked out so um, I think to my friends because I'm really honest and open with them about how you know things have gone you know on Instagram to present one image I try to actually be maybe quite honest on there maybe uncomfortably honest sometimes and not just painting like oh it's perfect every day laptop on the beach laptop on the beach like it's not always perfect there are tough times but it's just to persevere through those tough times and know what it is that you're working towards like why are you doing it why is it important to you and if it's important to you then you just keep going until you get where you want to go so that's kind of that's like, let's say, the motivational aspect of what I say to them. But then practically, in terms of what was helpful, is, um, you know, identifying your skills, identifying your transferable skills. So say for each of my friends that I speak with, I know them. So I know where they've worked. So I know what they enjoy. I'll ask them, so what do you think you would like to do? What do you think you could possibly do that would make you happy or that you that you even feel good at? And then from there, kind of brainstorm different jobs that they could do with the skills that they have and then of course send them the resources to the remote job directory send them other websites like flex jobs and um, i'm always keeping an eye out of course at the safety wing i would tell all of my friends to apply to inbox stand because i know they can do it because we have those we, we all have those basic skills it's just to trust yourself um and it, it really is kind of it's all really about trusting yourself and then just taking the chance on yourself because there's nothing that there's nothing that can't be taught and there's nothing that can't be learned. So it's just to it is a leap of faith. It really can be um, a leap of faith. But it's just to, um, I guess, when you're ready to take it, 
you will take it because I mean I've wanted to be remote I guess ever since probably even before I worked in Maastricht I loved the idea of being remote but I was like oh that can't be me I couldn't do that that's not for me but eventually when pushed to the limit I'm like yeah okay I'm done with this so I need to I'm gonna try and we'll see what happens and hey look what's happened (laughs) Well, that is amazing advice. I just took a bunch of notes for the show notes because you touched on so many things. I mean, you really could be a career coach. Like determination, focus, persistence, believing in yourself. I think having that goal and just being like, this is what I want to do. And no matter if it takes one month or 10 months or two years, I'm going to keep going Mm -hmm. until I get there. And then you can be laughing from the beach in Barbados with your Mai Tai, but you can. Um, that was my like favorite a, cocktail. Yeah. A good balance between the aspirational and emotional aspect because that's really mm-hmm. what motivates us as human beings. Yeah. And then also the practicality. So you're taking the leap, but it's a calculated leap. Like it's a leap mm-hmm. where you have money in your bank account, you know how much you can live on for X number of months. And you're also systematically applying for jobs and putting out Mm -hmm. resumes and not just sending the same resume to a bunch of different jobs, but identifying Mm -hmm. which jobs would be a good match for you, identifying companies that you want to work for, and then showing Mm -hmm. through your CV and your cover letter, how that job description matches with your abilities and your background. Mm -hmm. So I think that is amazing advice. And then you did land your dream job. So for a company that I have admired for many years, ever since it was founded and I heard about it. Um, So Mm -hmm. for people who aren't familiar with Safety Wing, can you share a little bit about their mission and why you think it's such a cool company to work for? Yes, definitely. So safety wing, what can I say? I feel like there's so much I want to say and how can I condense it into a nutshell? But basically, they are on a mission to revolutionize the way we travel. They want to build a country on the internet. They want to build a safety net that protects all digital nomads, remote workers and travelers as they explore the world. And, you know, showing them how they can give back to the communities that they work or live in or just even visit, showing them, keeping them protected when they're out and about, you know, with the travel medical insurance, nomad insurance. And then for the company with remote health, how to look after your employees and keep them insured and take care of them when they're out and about exploring the world. So. Just on so many levels, they're educating, they're inspiring, they're protecting, and they're ultimately, I feel like, just making the world a better place. Everyone I've met at the company so far, and I say met, I've met them virtually, but everyone has been so exuberant about how much they love the company. So I'm just a newbie. I've only been there a month so far, but I I feel like I've learned so much in a short space of time. And also I'm just so keen to learn more um, because of how, I guess, I align with the mission and the values. Like when I'm working, it often doesn't even feel like work. It just feels exciting. And I just want to help build towards all of the things that they're building towards. There's so many things we're looking at, you know, co-working spaces and co-living spaces, helping nomads remote workers to find that community that sometimes can get lost when you're working remotely so they're not isolated um working with the ambassadors trying to help them be more successful when sharing referrals with and spreading the message about safety we work on courses to help we host webinars to support content creators to make better content they're just i feel like they're just uniting uniting so many people who have the same passion which is to travel and to see the world because there's just so much to see and I feel like it inspires you to know that there's more than just you know where you live of course home is always home I, I love my home and I love my family I love traveling and one of my favorite things about traveling is going back home because you appreciate it so much more when you get there so I think that's what's really cool about the insurance, that it covers you, the no bad insurance particularly, 
that it covers you from as soon as you leave your home country to wherever you go, you know, on a rolling subscription or, you know, for specific dates. And it even covers you when you do get back home, when, if and when anything were to happen. So, you know, I just, <laughs> I don't want to just be in, but um, yeah, it's truly a dream. It's truly a dream, a dream job for me and um, a dream role I'm getting to do, you know, pull on, as, as you said, all of my skills from my previous jobs up to date. And they encourage me to, you know, pursue like my travel blogging and content creation in my spare time. I mean, it's it's just a win, win, win. And I think they're genuinely going to revolutionize the way that we travel in I this agree. world. So I'm thrilled. You feel the same. You've worked with yeah. them for some time, so. I, yeah, I would totally work for them part time. Like, I've been thinking about it for a few years. I was like, do I have, do I have time to work for anyone else? But I, I agree. I, I love the, the company culture is so unique there. And my podcast listeners know I've talked about Safety Wing a lot, not just because they have a cool company culture, but mostly because they develop great products. And we had one of the co-founders, Sandre, on the podcast, I believe it was last year. So we can link to that episode, which was a really great conversation. But maybe it's because I, I think a company is a, a, a company's culture is an extension of the management and the ownership and the co-founders. And Sarah and Sandre, maybe it's because they're from Norway and they have like this very, they're very serious and practical about mm -hmm. how they go about the business model from my perspective, from the outside, but then they're also very laid back and they also understand the, the Norwegian safety net and the value of that system that we see in Europe more so versus the United States, for example. And so being a yeah. digital nomad and being from the U.S. and seeing how other countries operate and seeing the potential for improving the system and the social net, I really appreciate the business model of Safety Wing because I think they're just low-key, very innovative. And many people don't know, like maybe people in the digital nomad community know, like my podcast listeners know, but on a like global mass scale, I don't think that the mainstream is aware of how much innovative work that safety wing is doing and how much it's going to transform the future for everyone and make it so much better for individual mm -hmm. remote workers, freelancers, entrepreneurs, who want to be able to have health insurance and want to have a community and want to have a passport that lets them travel to other countries without having to apply for extra visas. And so stay tuned everyone, because we'll have lots more on, <laughs> on the developments uh, with that company. And another thing that I admire is how they have such an ambitious master plan, but they're just very yes. systematic and laid back and patient about how they go across achieving their objective. So mm -hmm. it's not something that they're rushing into to meet like shareholder profit requirements. At least it doesn't, doesn't seem that way. It's just like mm -hmm. they have this sense of certainty and surety about their goals and they know that they're going to achieve them. So mm -hmm. they're just on their way to achieving them. And like, sometimes it maybe takes longer or than they planned, or sometimes it goes a little bit mm -hmm. faster. I think working in the insurance market it definitely requires a lot of patience because you're dealing with a lot of regulatory agencies yeah. and creating a whole country on the internet, I'm sure is very complex and dealing with different <laughs> governments, you know, but they're just kind of taking one step at a time and they've made so much progress since mm -hmm. I think I found out about them back at the beginning, maybe it was like 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. Oh, wow. And mm -hmm. A lot has happened since then. But as you mentioned, the digital nomad lifestyle, in our opinion, or being location independent, being able to work, travel, live whenever, wherever you want. This to me yeah. is the optimal level of freedom that you can have yeah. as a human being. I think it's the peak level of personal freedom that you can have. But what are some of the things that you've struggled with in this journey, because I know that you write a lot on your blog about mental health and wellness. And you also mm -hmm. mentioned a little previously in the conversation, some of the struggles you've had. So can you share with us 
some of those aspects of it to balance out the Mai Tais on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Because I they they hundred percent have been many Mai Tais on the beach. But on the flip side of that, um, yeah, when I first started, so in in November when I first moved out to Barbados, and um, you know my income was decreased and my outgoings were far increased because I had been living at home. I wasn't, you know, chuck my mom a bit of money, but I wasn't paying any London rent. So when I moved out to Barbados, I was paying rent and the food is very expensive out there because everything's imported. So for the first time, I'd say maybe since uni, I've always been quite money conscious. I've always loved saving like since a young age. So all of my, like half of my salary, I'd always just save it, save it, save it. So that was the first time, I guess, in my adult life that I wasn't able to save a lot because a lot of my money was going right back out of my hand. And I think in the first few months, that was really quite challenging because <laughs> firstly, because there's always something to do in Barbados. There's always a party to go to and I love a party. Um, but more seriously, it weighed on my mind. The fact like my bank balance was a concern to me. And um, over time, that just became more and more stressful. As I got more clients at Inbox Done, that pressure eased a bit, but there was always, it was kind of always ticking in the back of my head whenever I was shopping. I was really looking at things to be like, do I need this? Should I buy this? I was being stupidly frugal almost because I had that safety net that I had saved for that reason to kind of give me that comfort but then I didn't want to touch those savings because of my <laughs> my mindset that savings shouldn't be touched so it was a hard it was a hard balance for those first few months um and then of course being completely in a new place yet again going somewhere where I didn't really know anyone yet again so having to build a community again for myself like that was definitely quite challenging what I would say is because I did work so, so hard to get to that point where I got the remote job, I think by the time I was kind of doing it and going through those motions on top of the finance concerns, I was definitely very, very tired and basically heading towards burnout, but I didn't even really know what burnout was then. So I was starting a new job in a completely different way, in a way I've never worked before. So I don't have an office to go to or colleagues to meet face to face so everyone I was speaking to I was really just typing to on slack <laughs> which is slack I've got very very familiar with slack now you know November I didn't really know what slack was yeah. I, I didn't know how to use it now I live in slack <laughs> I've got slack on all my devices um but that was that was really hard to adjust to at first, with Unbox Done, it was it, there was some structure in that certain things did have to be done at certain times. But then at Safety Wing, we are completely async in that everyone's just working at the times that they want to work, which, of course, is amazing. As you say, that's the ultimate freedom to create your day exactly how you want your day. It's amazing. But then simultaneously, being someone who comes so strictly from a corporate background who's used to having you know that nine o'clock team meeting every week or you know you see people and you, you speak about what's going on and you get your answer straight away that is definitely something that has taken a little bit to adapt to so with my team the partnership team we're very widespread and we've got people from thailand and australia to in europe to america and canada so one of my tasks recently was to find a time that we could all meet for a team meeting. And I was just looking at the time zones and I'm like, someone's got to get up really, really early or someone's got to stay up very, very late. And I didn't want to be that person that had to be like, would you mind? Then I've everyone because of the freedom that we have and because of the flexibility that we have, I think that everyone is also very considerate of one another. So they are mm -hmm. happy to jump on at you know 9 p.m and they are happy to get up at 7 a.m to take a call and everyone since I've started at least when I ask them questions it's like snap I'm like what are you doing awake <laughs> but they've been so supportive so um I would say definitely that the async the flexibility whilst it's amazing that was hard to adjust to and at times I didn't know how to switch off which mm. definitely was an impact on my mental health where you know, I'm used to starting at nine, finishing at five. Once you finish, you're finished. 
but in this kind of work and especially with my stuff that I do on the side with other clients my design stuff there's just always something to do so sometimes it can be hard to like switch off Mm -hmm. definitely was hard to switch off to start with but I'd say with time and I started therapy through better help and I've just got so much better at like kind of managing my (laughs) well I found out I had anxiety through starting therapy so I've got much better at managing that and knowing how to relax and to switch off even in the capacity of the current work that I do so um yeah that's definitely getting better but that was hard to start with I would say Yeah, that's a really good point because sometimes people forget that all the same human problems and issues are present in any lifestyle. There's like no amount of freedom or no amount of money that can erase human suffering and the human condition. Mm -hmm. It's just different Mm -hmm. challenges to contend with at different phases of your life and in different geographic locations. So, you know, just because you land your dream job and become a digital nomad, it doesn't mean that you'll never feel anxiety again, or you'll never feel depressed or, you know, you're still a human being. And so I think that's really important to point out. And especially the burnout aspect, like that's something I've written about. I've experienced it a lot. I've made videos about it. And I was always nervous about talking about it because mm-hmm. I kind of felt guilty. Like, why should I be burnt out when I'm living my dream life? But then people really resonated with that. And I always get a lot of messages and comments anytime I talk about it. And it's like a recurring thing, a recurring pattern yeah. in my life that's like always a little bit different. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's better and sometimes it's harder. But um, I guess I'll keep talking about it because it seems like other people are going through that too. So, and the same with safety wing, like I saw when I was at the, um, the ambassadors event in Istanbul, I was so impressed by how I would overhear people talking. So the team members would go up to each other and just be like, how's it going? Like, how are you doing? How can I support you? And everybody was so generous with their time and supportive of their coworkers and collaborative. And I, I really noticed that and really appreciated it. But then at the same time, like you still have to turn off sometimes you can't be available 24 mm-hmm. seven. So even though you're just starting out like in your first month at safety wing, how mm-hmm. have you been able to find some balance drawing on your history as a virtual assistant and then transitioning into this role and doing your freelancing and travel blog on the side have you mm-hmm. found any solutions yet or is it still a work in progress <laughs> that's great I would say it's definitely still a work in progress um but because of I say because of my experience to start with inbox done like those first six months uh in the beginning I know it was very hard and then by around like the four five six month mark I started to feel very comfortable and I finally felt like I knew what I was doing so then now at Safety Wing, my first month, I'm like, whoa, yeah, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to do. But I um, I got matched with a time zone buddy. So everyone that starts gets a time zone buddy. So that's someone that you can ask questions to, that you can speak to who's in the same time zone as you. So you can get that quick response, that quick support. And she was the first person that I met at Safety Wing. Her name's Leanne. She's wonderful. And she said her main piece of advice to me was to take my time. And for someone like me, who I guess is like an overachieving people pleaser, I'm always in a rush to like, you know, show my worth and show that like I should be here or like prove that like I'm good enough. So her telling me to like just take my time, really, I kind of say it to myself every day. So whenever I feel like I'm getting a bit overwhelmed or I feel like, oh, I've got tasks to do, but I'm tired and I want to go to sleep, but there's things to be done. I remind myself that yeah, I'm told me to take my time and it's <laughs> you're gonna get there eventually. And then I know in my head I'm like four or five months, give it six months, you're gonna be on top of this. Like this is gonna feel fine and this will be your normal. Um and then just as you say, everyone has been so generous with their time when it's come to me, like my that's been my experience so far. Whenever I've had a question, whenever I've needed anything, people are like, oh how are you doing? They check in on me. 
we jump on a call before we jump into work stuff it's like okay so how are you doing how are you finding it my boss leaves like she's always checking on me and it's such quite surreal again coming from a corporate background where it's been you know just bums on seats do your job are you hitting your goals goodbye <laughs> so here to be asked like hey how are you feeling are you doing okay and then because of my experience with therapy and where I've come from being able to be a bit more honest even though it feels scary but to be honest and be like hey actually I feel a bit overwhelmed right now I feel like I don't have enough time to complete the tasks that I have to do and then receiving reassurance my boss like oh you need a bit more time have some more time. Um, this deadline is not a hard deadline. It's a soft deadline. You can push back on the deadlines that I give you. That blew my mind because coming from corporate, you don't push back on deadlines. Deadlines are deadlines. That's what they are. So it's so wonderful, I guess, to be in an environment where you know someone will say, this is what I want you to do. This is when I want you to do it. But then I have the ownership to say, okay, um, I'll, I'll try. But actually, I think that, you know, maybe after giving it a week or so, okay, this is an unrealistic deadline. I'm going to need to push back on this because I need more time. That is revolutionary to me. And that's something that's happened in one of my recent tasks. Like, it was supposed to be done in two weeks. And the first week, I was like, this is not this is not going to be done next week. It's not possible. And it was stressing me out a bit. And I'm like, oh, no, you're new. You need to get it done. But then I spoke to my boss and I was like, hey, I don't think that I can get this done in the time that I have. And then that's when she said about pushing back on deadlines. Like, oh, wow. I feel so valued <laughs> as an individual. So it's, it's really, it's really been revolutionary in that sense for me. And um, yeah, I know with more time, as I learn more, I'm only going to get better at all of the things that I'm doing. So um, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say. Everyone I speak to doesn't have anything bad to say. It kind of sounds too good to be true. And I'm always conscious that I never want to seem like, you know, everything is roses and daisies. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. And the other shoe has yet to drop. People that I've been working with for two years are like, yeah, I I really still like it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's speak in a year and see how we're doing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I've been observing and interacting with Safety Wing for probably four years now, five mm-hmm. years, and I feel the same way. Like, there's still nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a great company. <laughs> I think we are all traumatized from so many bad companies that we've had to work for or with that were like, yeah. oh, good people. Okay. Yeah, this is it's it. <laughs> Everyone's a good person. It's crazy. They're all in one place. So, yeah, I just want more people to join and know about it so that they can also be happy. So I definitely think you should come in part-time. I can keep an eye on the jobs boards for you if you like. <laughs> yeah, put in a good word for me. And I you said a, a quote. I don't need to. You got one. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's so funny because I've, I've just worked for myself for so long. I mean, I worked in mm-hmm. real estate, so I worked for a brokerage oh, wow. before but I've worked for myself for so long. I'm so picky about the companies that I even am an affiliate for or collaborate with in any way, shape Mm -hmm. or form. So it's a big step for me to identify a company. And I've thought that for a long time, like I would actually work for them, like just for fun, like work (laughs) part-time. And then at the um, ambassador event in Istanbul, everyone I met had a side hustle. And I was like, oh, maybe I could actually work for them because I always thought, you know, oh, you have to work full time and company, mm-hmm. but I think that that could be in my future. We'll stay, we'll stay Amazing. tuned. Um, but cool. you said something that I wrote down that I really liked. You said, oh. well, a lot of things, I have a whole legal <laughs> pad full, but you said there's, there's nothing that can't be taught or learned. Mm-hmm. And that is just exactly sums up. I think the attitude that is so helpful to everyone. Like no matter how long it it takes, there's nothing that can't be taught or learned. And, and it seems like you're learning that as well in in your current job. And that's part of, part of the life experience. So Charlotte, where are you headed next and how can people keep up with you and your travels? Ah, so, um, yes, I'm on to Portugal, Aruba, Las Vegas, California. 
Um, many, who knows what next year will bring. I'm turning 30. I'm debating between Bali and Colombia, which is a mad thing to even say out loud. So the people, the people can see me and follow me on my Instagram where I'm posting at Charlotte Got Up and Away, or they can read my blog posts and catch up there at she'supandaway.com. Amazing. Well, we'll link to everything, all the resources and your blog and website and Instagram in the show notes. And I hope to cross paths with you in real life sometime in the next year. Thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience and all of your tips and advice for other people that are in this transition or already in the lifestyle. So very, very helpful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Charlotte today as much as I did. Remember to check the show notes for all of the resources mentioned in today's show. And also, if you'd like to get some travel insurance through Safety Wing as well. In other news, enrollment for Ready to Relocate, my private group coaching program for people who want to move to another country in the next year or so, is open for enrollment now. You can apply for a call with me at the link in the show notes or by going to travelingwithkristin.com slash apply, A-P-P-L-Y. 